What's going on, Psych Athletes? Welcome back to the Psych Athletes Podcast, your home for mental performance. Today, we've got something super special going on. I know I say it every week, but today, it's really special. We have Rewire Fitness on the podcast, all right? Rewire Fitness is a startup neuroperformance mobile platform designed to holistically quantify athlete readiness, build mental resilience, and improve mind-body recovery. They've gotten some significant endorsement from numerous celebrity athletes, including Kyle Korver and other notable investors such as Under Armour, CEO Sun Sachs, and co-founder Ed Gibbons are coming on the podcast today to discuss their new game-changing mobile app, the importance of mind-body recovery and readiness to compete, and what mental resilience really means. All things Rewire Fitness, including a link to download their app, is available in the description below. I highly encourage you guys to go and check that out. One more reminder to follow Psych Athletes on Instagram if you haven't already, and to leave us a review if you're listening on Apple Podcasts. With all that said, let's get into the episode. What's going on, guys? Hey. Going well. Good to be here. All right, so Sun, you could speak for a second, so people know which one's talking. Yep, yep, here I am. This is Sun, CEO of Rewire Fitness. Yep, and then Ed Gibbons. Yeah, I'm Ed. Uh, I'm product lead of Rewire all right cool cool so why don't you guys tell me a little bit about your journeys as athletes why you guys founded rewire you know what rewire fitness is how the app works how the mobile platform works yeah absolutely uh i will try to be a my story is kind of long so i'm going to try to abbreviate a little bit no problem we love to talk (laughs) yeah uh so i've been a lifelong athlete uh originally grew up in boulder colorado so west coast east coast and uh, and uh, basically had a had an experience early on to be able to uh, start bike racing. So as a pre junior and junior, uh, and then as a, um, uh, a elite level uh, cyclist, I basically just worked my way up through the field uh, within uh, off road racing and other disciplines, and um, ended up. Uh, basically ending my career fairly early in my late 20s due to injury and burnout. And uh, for me, sort of um, kind of having an OCD sort of mindset, I always just kept thinking, you know, what could have, what I, what I could have done better, how I could have improved. And that just uh, set me off on a lifelong journey for human performance. So um, very early in the sort of quantified self realm, uh, more than 10 years ago, uh, discovered HRV then, sort of put that in my toolkit, knew it was the most correlative to um, training adaptation and recovery. Uh, and I still felt like there was something missing. Then I got into uh, pretty serious meditation uh, via an organization, uh, which is one of the founding organizations in uh, yoga uh, in the United States, uh, Paramahansa Yogananda's uh, group. Uh, he came into the United States in the 1920s. He wrote a book, Autobiography of a Yogi. I read that book, was blown away. There's a lot of sort of um, deep uh, metaphysical stories and uh, transformational stories in that book. And so I actually became uh, part of their group. I had to sign a lifelong oath to uh, never reveal any of the secrets. I ended up meditating three to four hours a day uh, for a few years uh, until I sort of unlocked uh, and they revealed some of the other details that I, you know, I had to do a test with a monk and uh, kind of go through this process. And it really um, was incredibly rewarding for me and, and brought home sort of the value of uh, mindfulness and mindset. Uh, and the only sort of tension around that 
which you know you guys might imagine is just spending the four to five you know hours meditating and and doing the practice and that uh that turned out to just not be a good fit with my lifestyle but i still valued um you know valued what it brought to me so i put that in my toolkit uh you know and uh, then a few years later, I became aware of the science uh, around mental resilience training and was just so incredibly excited. Like I wanted to call up uh, the professor in Italy and become a test subject. I was just <laughs> that excited. Uh, and I just waited, never came to market. Uh, one day I was on the bike trainer and I had this epiphany for how it could be done. Thankfully, I had built my career out for about 25 years in software development. And um, so I, I knew how to make it once I had that sort of idea. Uh, built the prototype, uh, got together with uh, our first co-founder, Cody. Uh, and then uh, a little while later, I met Ed. And uh, you know, the rest is history, so to speak. But uh, yeah, it's very personal to me, very connected to just uh, trying to unlock sort of my best self and and we want to do the same for all athletes yeah that's awesome man you kind of put two and two together there you already had the experience you know i like yeah. how you say in your toolkit i think yeah. everybody should live by that <laughs> you know everyone yeah. learns a lot of things and then they get kind of just you know flush away when new things pop up but that's awesome i should have known you're into kind of spiritual improvement and meditation and mindfulness based on a beard i could have told that already <laughs> but that's awesome man that's cool that's, yeah. a, that's very similar to kind of my journey, um, mm. kind of that retrospection, you know, after you're done with your career, you know, yeah. racking your brain, thinking about, you know, what could, I, what could I have done better? And everyone kind of resorts to like, you know, physical, you know, what could yeah. I have done? Could I have trained harder? Could I have worked harder? Could I have done, you know, had different mechanics, you know, different techniques? And that's what like I hear a lot of old heads talking about, you know, I should have worked harder. But everyone, when they compete they work hard enough if they, if they're passionate about their yes, sport. Exactly. And that's what exactly. I, that's what I realized as well. I was like, you know, I, I didn't not work hard. I was the hardest work on my team on my, in my mm. sport. So there was something else missing there, but that's awesome. That's really cool to hear. How about you, Ed? Yeah. Yeah. Like son of uh, been a lifelong lover for sport. Uh, grew up as a rugby player. Oh, uh, cool. Went through all the sort of stages of youth rugby. Uh, and just, you know, loved every minute of that, loved competing, loved the training, uh, loved all aspects of that. And um, when I was about 13, I was diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And uh, with that came a real sort of passion to optimize my performance and, and uh, you know, really dive into human performance. You know, when you're controlling a bodily process, uh, you really do get dialed into your physiology and uh, understand that on a, on a whole new level. Um, so, you know, so a whole journey towards just optimizing my performance, whatever I could do to get, get a little bit better. So started off with blood sugars. Uh, then I was sort of looking into my physiology and nutrition, uh, training and recovery and, and uh, navigated to psychology. And uh, with psychology came a huge interest in, in what we could do to optimize the mind. And uh, around the time I was studying a degree in sport and exercise science at Loughborough University, uh, I met Son and Cody, who had sort of developed an initial prototype for a neuro training system, uh, which uses brain endurance training. And it just uh, completely fascinated me and resonated with everything uh, I believe in and uh, sort of my experiences to that point and uh, just wanted to get involved really. So sent down a message on Instagram and uh, joined, uh, joined the team and uh, it's been an awesome journey since. That's awesome. I love how you take your kind of, I don't want to call it, um, 
my mom has type one diabetes as well. Mm. A lot of people take for granted their health, especially. And a lot of people with those, you know, with that kind of disease or um, physical ailments, they kind of take for granted what they're given, you know, and I like how you use that to kind of explore human performance. And, I, and it's interesting to me, like, <clears throat> when people explore human performance, they, they start on the surface level, like, you know, physical improvement, you know, physiology, like you said, and eventually they navigate their way into the mental realm. You know, it's really cool. I like that a lot. Yes. Yeah. So tell Absolutely. me, guys, yeah. Tell me about rewire fitness. Tell me how the, so it's a mobile platform, correct? Yes. And did it start that way or was it optimized for, was it eventually yeah. optimized for mobile uh, no, no, it started that way. Um, so uh, Cody and I have a lot of background in building mobile apps. Uh, and so that was a natural fit. You know, the science, the original science between the resilience train, basically what they did is they would tape a keyboard on a bike trainer or a treadmill with a monitor. And so, you know, clearly that doesn't really work in the real world. Um, and so the epiphany I had, I was on the bike trainer and you know, riding the bike and I had my phone tracking my output and I was like, I could just put the brain training right there on the phone and then how would I control it? And the idea was with a hardware component. So uh, the initial prototype included a hardware component, which we've now refined and are going into mass production with, but um, it was software hardware idea. And then the, you know, the product evolved quite a bit from you know, try to incorporate all of those aspects, you know, f from my toolkit and, you know, from our collaboration as a team, we just basically incorporated both, you know, on one, on one side, the pillar is to train the mind and become more resilient. On the other side, you have to recover the mind, which we often overlook, you know, as, as athletes, um, that's a blind spot. You know, when you go into a workout, do you actually know how much cognitive fatigue you're, you're going to the workout with? And do you know how that's impacting your performance? You know, you may feel good physically. You have a bad workout or a bad, uh, you know, kind of competition. And you don't know that your brain was actually the, the cause. So providing tools like that. And of course, around everything, the halo around everything, you have to measure it. You know, you have to be able to understand where you're at every day, objectively and subjectively. So that's our kind of readiness system, which takes a holistic approach, looks at your physiology, but also looks at your mind, you know, your cognitive performance and your psychology. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love, I love how you kind of explained the, the basis for we were like the practicality of neuroperformance for an everyday athlete. You know, it's kind yes. of unfeasible for your everyday athlete, right? You have, you know, major sports teams like big markets, they have all the you know, sports psycho psychology departments, they have the funding, they have, they have the access to neuroperformance resources. And that's kind of on the same basis, you know, that I started doing what we were doing, what I'm doing right now is, you know, explaining the fundamentals of sports psychology to your everyday athlete, because it's kind of hidden behind, you know, stigma behind paywalls behind 200 $300 sports psychology sessions. And I just love, I love, I love kind of expanding the awareness of mental performance and their performance for everyday athletes, because it's so important. Like what you said earlier, people go into their workouts, they feel great. They do all this training. They work so hard. They get out, you know, to their workout or to their competition and they don't perform how they expect to perform. And then they're like, okay, I need to fix something with my, I need to fix, you know, my mechanics. I need to fix my physical when in reality it's so simple. 
but they don't have the resources, they don't have the knowledge, they don't have the awareness for it. And I just love, I just love what you guys are doing, just making, you know, recovery and cognitive performance just so convenient. I always, I always kind of dreamed of that. That's cool. But you guys told me about your, you know, kind of personal experiences um, that cause you to recognize the importance of cognitive performance, you know, emotional well-being. Tell me about, you know, what you've heard from a lot of athletes. Tell me about like what they've told you, because I'm sure you guys have done some research and talked to a lot of people when developing, when developing your app. <laughs> He's a talker, but yeah, I just want to hear what, because athletes come to me all the time with like, you know, certain things that they desire out of, uh, out of you know, mental performance. I just want to hear what you guys have heard. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I spend a load of every week talking to users, potential users, and uh, get a really nice insight into what's what's going on out there. I mean, uh, one of the most potent sort of things we tend to see across all athletes is an inherent understanding of the importance of the mind. So we always un- we always ask everyone, what percentage of performance do you sort of, could you attribute to the mind? And inevitably, they always say somewhere between fifty and ninety percent. Uh, sometimes even higher, uh, you know, particularly at the elite level, it's it's sort of everyone's sort of similar level on the physical side of things. And it's that mental resilience that really sets you apart. Uh, and we always then ask someone the inevitable, inevitable follow up question of, OK, so it's so important. What are you doing to train it? What are you doing to recover it? And how do you stay aware of, uh, you know, what's going on up there? <laughs> and there's an awkward silence where people don't really uh, focus on it. It's not. It's not a part of their training routine. Um, so what our focus is is to really put it at the core of, you know, uh, or at least a component, a big component of what they're doing in their, in their training and day to day life across, uh, in the gym, on the pitch, uh, you know, even just when they're when they're trying to wind down after a session or whatever it might be. Um, our system aims to support them throughout their whole day to day lives. Yeah. So you mentioned mental resilience, and I can't wait to discuss that. I think mm-hmm. that's super big. I think there's a lot of definitions that a lot of different people have for mental resilience, mental toughness. But I want to talk to you guys because it's the same thing. Every time you talk to an athlete, I've had coaches on this podcast. I've talked to, you know, hundreds, thousands of athletes. And it's always just like you. It's always the same thing. It's, you know, how much, especially in baseball, well, which I played, it's always the same thing. You know, how much do you attribute to the mental side of the game? And they're like, it's so big. It's so important. You know, it's, it's, it's what the game is. It's going on inside your head. And then, and then you're like, yeah, what are you doing? What are you doing about it? And like, Nothing. And that's kind of the market validation. That's when you're kind of like, gotcha. All right, let's, let's do this. <laughs> but, but um, I want to talk to you because why do you think that they're not, you know, preparing your mind, preparing their mind, you know, taking care of their emotional and mental well-being? Uh, is yeah. it, is it the stigma? It's the lack of awareness. It's a lack of time convenience resources yeah. what do you guys think about that yeah uh, uh i'm sure we both have strong opinions around that um yeah so the um the the first problem is um people kind of have a binary perception of how to build mental toughness meaning hey i'm just going to go and push myself really hard i'm going to recreate what i would experience in uh, you know, in the hardest part of competition or, or training. And um, while that works, pushing yourself physically and looking for a side effect of mental resilience, uh, it's kind of a blunt instrument. You know, it's not a direct uh, uh, structured way to train your mind. 
it's really just saying I'm going to push the heck out of myself and I'm going to see, hopefully I'll get a little bit more resilient, but you know what, if you're not looking at the data and you don't know where you're at, you may be pushing yourself too hard on certain days. And as you get more physically fit, it becomes, you have to push yourself harder and harder and it's sort of this losing battle. Um, so that's one piece of it is just, they have an old model or an old way of thinking of how to become more mentally resilient through the body, as opposed to the direct path, which is to the mind. <laughs> um, I'll turn it over to Ed to see uh, what other thoughts he has as well. Yeah, I think um, I completely agree with Sun there. I think the other side of it is, is this toolkit hasn't been so accessible before. Um, we haven't seen a neurotraining system out there uh, for consumers uh, before. Uh, likewise, we haven't seen a sort of really specific mindset recovery system for athletes and such a holistic sort of approach. To, and, and more than that, the combined aspects of them, I think one key component is that they're integrated. We can use their readiness data to understand what kind of recovery, recovery they should do. Uh, we use a sort of really specific algorithm to pick out their areas of weakness and their goals and give them tools. But yeah, I think one, one part of it is the toolkit hasn't existed before. Um, the other, like sunset is, is, there's a, you know, a stigma around it. And, uh, you know, the, 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 the body is sort of the first thing we think of. I mean, I've seen it through my journey as well. The, the body was the first thing I thought of, uh, that was sort of the first, first thing I approached, uh, you know, looking at my physiology, looking at my nutrition, uh, my training, and then got to the mind. And it's, um, it's, uh, I think it's a journey for people to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Just to clarify for our listeners, you know, when we're talking about mental resilience, we're talking about, you know, ability to perform under stress, you know, anxiety, pressure to manage, you know, emotion during competition and, you know, remain consistent in your ability when these things happen. Um, I lost my train of thought here. We call that a calm, ready state. Mm-hmm. So we want, we want the athlete to be in a, you know, in a calm uh, homeostasis. I mean, that's when that's mm-hmm. when the their athletic performance is powerful, not when they're super ramped up and jittery and stressed out and in their head about the, you know, the outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank so, you for that, saving me there. Yeah, I thought I was gonna have to <laughs> you know, halfway through this episode and have to edit this. Jesus, that scared for a second. But yeah, <laughs> when we're talking about the traditional way of building mental resilience, in, especially in my experience in American sports and, and kind of the, the sports culture that we have here, um, we have a lot of old head coaches. Mm-hmm. And I attribute a lot of, you know, mental performance and psychological, you know, struggles during games and competitions, anxiety, stress, fear, you know, pressure. I attribute a lot of that to the culture. Um, in my experience, in baseball, especially in male dominated sports, it's a lot of rah-rah. It's a lot of, you know, okay, we got to push ourselves to limit here. And then we'll, and then we'll be able to, to manage our emotions and our stress and our anxieties during games and competitions after we've, you know, pushed our bodies to the limits. And it's almost, yeah, like, like what you said before, it's a blunt, you know, instrument, you know, it's, it's, it's a really outdated approach to mental performance. And I, I wholeheartedly agree with that statement, um, especially the stigma behind it. When we think, you know, when we think of mental performance, a lot of a lot of people associated with you know mental health, and and um, there's definitely a general stigma around that. You see it on on Twitter all the time. I go on Twitter, and 
you, you see a lot of athletes coming out nowadays, you know, Simone Biles, uh, Kevin Love, um, mm-hmm. talking about, you know, the pressure, you know, being able to manage, you know, their emotions during games competitions and how much it eats at them. Um, Simone Biles, you know, put it really well when you have to perform in front of, you know, millions and millions of people and you have this anxiety and this pressure, you can't just, you know, flush all your emotions down the drain. And that's kind of what I feel like American sports culture has resorted to is like, you got to be tough. You got to, you got to ignore, you got to ignore your emotions, ignore your mental struggles. And I think that's a big problem surrounding it. And I think that bleeds down into the lower levels of sport uh, basically, but yeah, really well. How many many athletes do we lose at the high school and collegiate level due to that Mm. old mindset, that old Mm -hmm. approach? We, we lose probably some of our most talented athletes that way. Like I have a friend who his claim to fame is that once he built, he beat Michael Phelps in swimming. Um, and I haven't been able to get him in the pool for 10 years. He doesn't want to even go near it. You know, it's very sad. It's very sad. You just get completely burnt out. And I experienced it too. You get just mm-hmm. completely burnt out. Yeah. It's not sustainable. That was the case for me as well. It's just this, such a mental grind at, at the higher levels of sports. So I played collegiate baseball and it was wake up workout, practice, go to, go to class, practice, do your homework, team meeting, wake up. And there's, there's a little time, there's a little rest time to even prepare your mind or deal with your emotions or manage your stress. And I just had no outlet for it. And so when mm-hmm. I got to my last year of college, I just said, you know, what, this is too much, you know, I'm burdened out and I didn't have the greatest career and I, I really regret it, but I'm also proud of the fact that I kind of you know, stood up for myself. It's crazy when you go and you talk to athletes all the time. I was just at a, I was at a, a function in Los Angeles a couple of weeks ago, and I was talking to this guy, and he was a former NFL player, a pro athlete, and he was just talking about. It was so casual. It was, he was talking about his his uh, his burnout and his multiple injuries and the stress and the pressure and how he just decided, you know, it was too much for him. And you're right, we lose so many talented athletes because of that fact. And there's not enough being done to address it. And I love Rewire Fitness. I love, you know, spreading awareness of, you know, mental and cognitive performance and emotional well-being. And I think it's super important. But yeah, I want to talk, because we've kind of like glazed over it, but I want to talk about how the app really works. I, uh, I saw on your website, I was doing some research, uh, binaural beats, you've got some guided meditations or guided breathings. Can you tell me what other kind of mindfulness techniques that you have integrated in the app? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so we have a, it's a proprietary approach where we basically take uh, evidence-based solutions that have efficacy, uh, you know, science, scientific evidence around uh, improving uh, both physiological, cognitive, and emotional well-being. And what we do is based on the athlete's uh, readiness score in the morning, we can diagnose specifically what area of need they have. So whether it be uh, on the cognitive side, on the emotional side, uh, and uh, on the physical side. And then we'll take, we'll create what we call a recipe, which is basically a series of protocols stitched together to, to amplify the efficacy and the intervention. So for example, the, uh, if someone is uh, cognitively and physically maxed out, uh, and those are sort of their two areas, we'll do a two to five minute session for them that combines um, a breathing modality like box breathing, which is great for a parasympathetic response, 
um, will bring in binaural beats, which are two-tone frequencies that create a brain entrainment phenomenon, which I'm sure you're aware of, uh, where basically the brain tries to mirror the, the frequency so you can get someone into a sleep state or a focus state, whatever is needed. We'll bring in self-talk, we'll bring in visualizations, and then we even bring in straight out of the lab, straight out of science fiction, um, mm -hmm. subliminal priming. <laughs> so what is we, that? Can you explain that? Yes. Uh, so <laughs> it's a it is a pretty fascinating thing. And it again, they have some machinery in the lab that they use. They traditionally use it for, but we really we just dug into all the mechanics and rebuilt it in the software. And basically, what it does, because we're social animals and we respond very much. Um, by each other's body language. So if you, if you imagine a herd of animals and one animal starts to show a fear response, all the other animals are going to have a same, the sort of a mimicking uh, physical biological response. For us, it's the same thing. Uh, we're social animals and our vagus nerve, which is a cranial nerve that travels through the major organs and also connects to the muscles of the face is reading your face and understanding if you are in a safe environment or a dangerous environment. So what happens is um, if uh, we prime someone with smiling faces and there's a specific protocol that we follow to make sure that there's a strong efficacy behind it, we can basically tell your deep biology subliminally, hey, you're, you're in a safe environment. It's okay to get into a homeostasis. You're, you're going to get some cognitive recovery from it. Um, you're going to get into a positive mindset and all you're doing is looking at the screen. So it's, you're basically looking at the screen. We're priming you with smiling faces. It's why uh, a lot of coaches will tell athletes to smile, which always mm -hmm. seems kind of fake. Like, why are you asking me to smile? I'm serious, but that's actually a trigger for your biology. Mm -hmm. It's so crazy how kind of our body language affects our mental state. I talk about it all the time. People ask me about, you know, how can I get like, when you're feeling unconfident, it's really like kind of a hopeless feeling. And I get questions mm -hmm. about confidence a lot. And what I resort to, or kind of like easy fixes, I guess, if there is one. And when people are like, you know, how can I, you know, drum up that little confidence that I need to, you know, compete at that moment, I tell them about body language. And I tell them mm -hmm. about, you know, slow movements. I talk about proud, you know, posture, open mm -hmm. stance. And it's crazy. It sounds so silly, but our, our mind reacts to how our body you know, feels at that given moment. Everything's connected, mm -hmm. mind-body connection. And I think that's, that's really right. cool. Mm -hmm. And everything that's in the app, in, the, in your guys' mobile platform, you know, visualization, meditation, your guided breathing, binaural beats, I talk about it all the time. It sounds like heaven to me. It sounds like, <laughs> it sounds like everything made easy and convenient for athletes. And I think that's great because that's the number one problem. You know, the convenience, the mm -hmm. time, you know, yes. I have so many athletes coming to me and they're, before their games are like a lot of young athletes, especially athletes in high school and college. Mm -hmm. Then when they have little downtime, they're like practice. Okay. Workout meeting game. I have no time for a pregame routine. I have no time to go <laughs> even eat. I have no time mm -hmm. to meditate. Like you're telling me to, I have no time to journal. I have no time to plan. I know I have no time to breathe or visualize. And that's the number one problem that I face with a lot of athletes that I talk to is the, the convenience of, you know, mental performance. Because when you think about like everyone's asking you, where do I start? You know, where do I find the time? How do I do it? Because coaches allocate no time for it, especially, yeah. you know, at lower levels, amateur levels. And I think that app, it just sounds like the perfect place to go if you're struggling with that sort of thing. If you have little time, little, you know, it doesn't sound like it requires much effort. 
I think it, it requires, you know, a lot of, you know, kind of diligence putting in the work, but I just, it just sounds like it makes it easy for everyone. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's we, a good, good ROI on it. Go ahead, Ed. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was just talking to a football player that's uh, that's soccer for you in the States. Um, but I was talking to a football player uh, the other day and just uh, talking about the time he spends before a session and between sessions, you know, he's doing multiple sessions per day and really struggling with the focus aspect of it. And he opened up our app and, you know, found real benefit in just the pre-workout priming sessions, which are, you know, short two to five minute sessions just to build that focus before, you know, his first session. Then he's got to travel to a, a you know, a gym session or an S&T session. And really before, you know, you can, you can kind of consider the physical recovery aspect between that but the the mental aspects the burnout the uh mental fatigue that's built up is often left um to one side and what we really try to do is bring that kind of mental recovery in there too and um you know he's finding real benefit just from taking some time out between the session whilst he's traveling on the train and just putting on the the uh um uh, some of our mindset recovery sessions to help him get in the right state to, to take on uh, his next challenge that day yeah mm-hmm. it's so like it's like hitting the reset button you yeah. know mm. like if you need to hit the reset button and get refreshed two to five minutes gotcha mm. yeah i was gonna ask you know kind of recovery and mental and emotional well-being go hand in hand and it's something mm. that a lot of athletes don't have time for can you walk me through say i just got done say i just got done with a workout or a game and i'm looking to kind of wind down you know i open up the app what do i do Yes. So, uh, that, and that's a common problem. So you want to ramp up, you basically want to get into a, a sympathetic state before the game. And then after the game, you want to ramp down, you need to ramp down. That's when your body's mm-hmm. going to you know, create the adaptation. That's when your body is going to actually, you know, get the benefit from that training or competition. So basically you literally just open up the app, you tap the mindset, uh, button, and you can choose, we have a whole library specifically designed for cognitive and physical recovery. You just tap the button and it'll put your earbuds in and it just runs you through uh, the process. And there's some things you can personalize. Uh, and we also have some um, uh, heart rate tracking as well. So you can actually see your physiological response. That's important because if you're trying to ramp down to a parasympathetic state, you wanna see that that happened. And the way you can see that is you'll see your heart HRV um, go up and you'll see your resting heart rate go down. And you could do that a couple times throughout the day to just make sure you really get down, uh, you know, get down into a more relaxed state. And you could also do it before bed as well. Gotcha. Sounds awesome. Um, we described, um, we mentioned earlier, and this might sound, this question might be a little redundant, I guess, uh, based on what we discussed earlier, maybe in separate terms you mentioned homeostasis earlier and how our body and how performance shouldn't be you know peak performance isn't reached by you know ramping up and being all jittery and hyping yourself up and screaming at yourself you know and you know elevated heart rate um i I get a lot of questions about uh the zone you know like a flow state kind of you know the the state of supreme focus in which you know we we perform at our peak potential we're completely in the present moment you know what i'm talking about 
Yeah, I've been in yeah hundreds of times. Yep. Yeah, how would you describe the zone, and how and can you elaborate on you know what homeostasis kind of has to do with it? Yeah, um, so homeostasis is definitely a one of the sort of the background triggers for getting into a flow state. There's a lot of different ways you can get into a flow state, but in general, um, you want to be in a calm, ready state. When you experience flow, uh, typically things slow down. There's sort of a, uh, a time shift that happens, um, and there's a narrowing of focus. And that narrowing focus is, uh, feels calm. It does not feel excited. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, um, a couple weeks ago, I was in a race, and uh, a bike race, and we're going down this really treacherous kind of downhill off-road, and I saw this guy right in front of me um, hit hit a rock and just flip over in the air. And based on my speed, I could tell that by the time he landed, if I didn't make the right choice to go left or right, I would be he would I would be right in front of him and flip over as well. So I had to basically slow things down, see predict where he was going to land and make sure I was on the other place while also avoiding all the rocks and things on the, on the train. That was flow state. There's no way I could do that if I was getting excited or getting uh, nervous or uh, mm -hmm. assuming projecting outcomes. I had to be right there in the present moment, which is very similar to what I experience when you're meditating. You know, mm -hmm. you just get, it, it just removes Removes Everyone all the that? noise. My listeners hear that. A lot of people ask, they're like, why, why should I meditate? This is so weird. You know, there's such a stigma behind it. And that's why right there, guys. Sorry, sorry, son. Go on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's, um, you, you just sort of, you get into a quiet place. And that quiet place is extremely intelligent. Mm -hmm. and, it is, and it is extremely intuitive. And the way I would think of, this is a little bit of a tangent, but I think of, intuition as reading subtle data points it's not just made up it's not just metaphysical when you have an intuition you're picking up on subtle details uh, and that's what you do in a flow state you're picking up on the subtle details and you're you're calibrating and adjusting to maintain your well-being and it's a powerful place and so you want to be you know you know you want to do things that'll get you into a homeostasis a calm ready state before competition to increase the opportunity to get into that flow state. You're never going to get there if you come in nervous and jittery and all in your head. Mm -hmm. yeah. It's, it's kind of like, yeah. Oh, go on Ed. Sorry. Yeah, no, I was just going to speak sort of, uh, I mean, uh, you know, just touching on my own experiences in rugby. It's a, it's an interesting sport because it's a real balance between, you know, tough physical you're charging into each other with your shoulder and uh, <laughs> just looking to knock people back but then there's also quite a quite an intricate skill component to it as well and it's that real calm ready state that's needed there uh you know you've got to be ready to um make those big hits and um be ready for that hit as well but equally you've got to be in a calm state ready to make calm sensible judgments uh look for the right opportunities there and uh it's a real balance between tough decision making processes and and also just physical and hard hitting and you know that's replicated across all sports really but uh that's just from my own experience but it's it's uh, the calm ready state that's really the key component here yeah no that's, that's great balance 
when I started psych athletes, all like my idea of of what athletes would be coming to me was like, you know, traditional American sports like basketball, football, baseball, and I've learned so much about so many other sports. I have cricket players. I have I have uh, grapplers. I have you know mountain climbers, rugby players. It's so cool, and I never you know mm. even imagine. I never even imagine I'd be learning so much about sport. But the way I think about it, um, you know, flow state. It's like you're. It's like your brain is analyzing, adapting, you know, quantifying, making subtle adjustments and working and working perfectly, but your consciousness is quiet. That's how, that's how I like to think about it. And going back to what we were talking about earlier, ramping up and getting all sights, you know, and getting your heart rate up and getting all pumped up is not the way to quiet your mind. Because when we do that, you know, when, when our body starts moving fast, our thoughts kind of start moving fast, in my opinion. Mm. Um, that's how I like to think about it and I think you just put it so eloquently and I loved how you talked about the 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 flow state that was great so it's a lot like meditation and I I beat my listeners over the head with this because (laughs) a lot of people there's like the stigma around you know meditation it's just like woo woo like spiritual concept and when you kind of reach that state um I'm not I'm no expert in meditation but I do understand the importance of it and the importance of, you know, the parallels it has between practicing here in a controlled state in your bedroom and going out and competing. It's the same thing. Um, I recognize the importance and I'm no expert at it, but I, when I do reach that, that state of quiet, but absolute focus, it's, it's enlightening and it's fascinating. And it's exactly how you want to be when you compete. Um, I like how we all made, you guys both made analogies uh, in the flow state to your own sports, rugby and and biking in, in I like, so I'm going to make an analogy for baseball, which I do all the time. Uh, my <laughs> baseball listeners love it, but everyone's like, Oh God, he's going to do this. Again. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. Like, how do you, how can you expect to hit a 95 mile an hour fastball when, when you're thinking, when you're not quiet in your mind mm. and the best way to practice it is meditation and, and calming your mind and reaching homeostasis through the rewire fitness app. Of course. <laughs> yeah. There you yeah. go. It sounds yeah. great. So I'm getting ready to wrap it up here. We've been going for about 45 minutes. Um, I want to, I want to kind of ask you guys one more question here. And I like to ask it um, to a lot of the guests that I have come on. What are some tips? What is the one thing, say you have one thing that you would say to an athlete who's struggling with kind of uh, mental preparation and readiness, what would you say to do? What's the one thing you would say to start doing? Besides, download the Rewire Fitness app. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Besides, um, so you you know your your story and your experience is typical. There's little time or room for anything but just go go go. If you can just get into a habit of giving yourself five minutes a day, that can be uh, breath work. That can just be you know walking around the yard. That can be um, thinking about what you're most grateful for. If you just do that, you're going to um, be on your way to getting into that calm, ready state. Uh, and you're going to start to crave it. And, you know, when you get into that habit, it then becomes a tool in your toolkit. Mm-hmm. Let me just take five minutes. I don't need to have any tools. I don't need to have anything. I'm just going to sit down and allow myself to get calm. Um, so that's, that's definitely what I would recommend as a, as a starting point. Can you expand and, and, on, on gratitude a little bit? I love to preach yeah. it to my, 
to my listeners, yeah. but I'm not as articulate as you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. No, I do it every day. Um, you, you basically, if you think about what you're, you know, what's most important to you or obviously what you're grateful for, it's going to get you out of, uh, um, out of all of the future and past thinking, and it's going to bring you to the present. Uh, it's going to remind you the bigger picture, which we often lose sight of. Um, and there's actually a sort of a physical response that you get from it. You know, I always feel a great sense of well-being, almost like a high, literally, after doing a gratitude uh, practice. And that's just simply ask yourself, what are you most grateful for today? And run through the list. Awesome. Mm. What about you, Ed? Yeah, um, well... I, you know, I couldn't agree with more with son. It's about giving yourself time. I'd say the, the other thing I'd add to that is have fun. Uh, you know, why do we play sport? And why do we do sport? It's because we want to have fun. And often in the heat of competition, that gets lost. Uh, and that's, that's sometimes where we start to experience and burn out. Uh, some of the times I'm, I'm sort of, uh, you know, happiest playing sport is, is when it's not even for competition. It's just for fun. Uh, you know, just touch rugby sessions with with my friends or even if it's just something like beach volleyball or, you know, something completely random where you just want to have fun. And um, we were talking to, I believe it was Timothy O'Donnell and he was saying, uh, Timothy O'Donnell, and he was saying pretty much the same thing. Like after a tough race, uh, there's a lot building up to that and he just takes some time off and has has fun. Um with his friends you know five or five football whatever it might be that's uh that's west that's the that's the thing about sports it's, it's for fun and i think that sometimes gets lost definitely gets lost especially in in higher competition i just recorded an episode on why it's important to have fun it's something that i feel like shouldn't have to be said but with mm. the pressures and the kind of expectations that come with competing at a high level these days that 100% mm. gets lost and we start playing for the wrong reasons. We start playing for, you know, external factors like, you know, coaches, families, uh, teammates trying to prove ourselves to people who don't believe in us. And I think the most important thing is that we need to get back to, you know, how we played the game when we were little, how we competed yeah. when we were little. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think yeah, exactly. Just play like yeah. a kid. Uh, <laughs> you need any, any, any advice on, on what to do when you're in that state, just go look at, uh, yeah, look at your, your young family around you and see what they're doing. Um, and believe it or not, it'll lead to greater performance too. One hundred percent. Yeah, I feel like you guys. God, I just—it's so awesome to have you know. I haven't had a guest on here in a long time. I think the last one was Kim a couple episodes ago. But it's so great to hear you guys say the same things that I'm saying because I I feel like a broken record when I say it on the podcast. And I feel like they're like, okay, I'm just talking about this again, Jesus. <laughs> we get it already but guys this stuff is important having fun is important you know calming your mind is important meditation is important all these things are key to unlocking your peak potential but that's it for this podcast you guys want to plug yourselves really quick tell us uh where we can find you how we can work with you yeah absolutely people can join uh the free trial uh by going to rewirefitness.app and they can find us on social media via uh, Instagram, via Rewire Fitness, and on Twitter via Rewire underscore app. 
and uh, yeah, we'd love to hear from you. would love to engage. You know, we're a team of athletes, four athletes. We're all about it. So reach out. We'd love to connect. Absolutely. Awesome. And for you guys, those links will be in the description below. So you don't have to look any further. Just scroll down, find their Instagram, find the website. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Thank you guys so much for coming on the podcast. I had a lot of fun and I'm sure it was a, you know, really enlightening for our listeners. But yeah, thank you guys. Thank you. Thank you. That was great fun. Yeah.